Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. You know, losses like this hurt worse than when you get beat by 30, right? Because, you know, uh, when you get beat by 30, <laughs> you know, you're never in control of the game, right? Um, when you lose a close game like that, um, a game that you feel like you, you were in control of for the most part, uh, you know, it's frustrating, uh, it's humbling, um, but you know, that's why that's why people love the NFL, right? Uh, maybe line it back up in seven days, you know, we'll be back at home in front of our fans, uh, you know, in front of division folk, divisional folk. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll have our opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, get this bad taste out of our mouth. That was safety Tyron Matthew on the Saints 18-17 loss in Green Bay Sunday. We'll definitely get into more of what led to that outcome in a bit. But first, we're going to hit the news of the day. I'm Aaron Summers here with John DeShazer. We heard from head coach Dennis Allen with the latest on quarterback Derek Carr, who left the game with an injury during the third quarter of action. So Derek's got a sprained AC joint. Um, You know, we'll evaluate him as he goes throughout the week this week. Um, I think we, we, we dodged a bullet there in terms of anything of, of real, um, you know, significance. Um, I think we're kind of saying week to week, you know, but again, he felt better today than he did, you know, yesterday. So uh, we're, not, we're not making any decisions today. We're not ruling anything out. Um, we'll see where he's at as the week goes on. In hearing what Coach Allen said in regards to the injury, how confident are you in in car playing, maybe not this week, but soon? Well, I mean, when you say week to week, then that tells me it's going to be sooner than later, as as a former coach here would say. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be sooner than later. I mean, obviously, uh, for it to be an AC joint sprain instead of a separated shoulder or possibly a fractured collarbone or, or you know clavicle or something like that, uh, to me, is the best of all scenarios. Uh, if you had to have an injury in that situation, you know, unfortunately, you have an injury. But if you had to have one, I think that's the best of all the scenarios in that it's not nearly as bad as it appeared to be after the game uh, or during the game. And so week to me, week to me sounds like you know, it, it's a lot more optimistic than, you know, saying, you know, hey, we got to put him on IR, mm-hmm. and he's definitely going to be out for four games. Sure. I think they feel like it's going to be a lot better than that. Right arm, that's just the arm he uses to throw, the shoulder there. So we'll see. He'll probably get some work this week, how that reacts, um, and we'll continue to follow it as the week goes on. But it wasn't the only injury, as right guard Cesar Ruiz also left the game in the first half with a concussion. Allen was talking about how they're going to evaluate the offensive line throughout the week not only for who's going to be able to play, but what they're teaching, the techniques, what's not been working, translating in the games. Yeah, I think I think it needs to be better. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, we got to figure that out, um, you know, particularly, you know, early in the game. Um, you know, so I think that's something that we've got to we've got to improve and, and, and we've got to get better at. We knew that this was a, a team that could rush the passer. There's a couple of them where we just got beat early. You know, um, and so um, we'll have to keep looking at what are we doing technique-wise. What are we teaching? You know, are we teaching the right the right things? Um, and uh, but certainly that's that's an area that we've got to you know we've got to get better at that because it's, it's not been good enough. How 
What do you think's going on with the O-line? I don't know. They got to figure something out because they've got guys on there who are high draft picks. Um, you've got a first round pick at left tackle. You've got a first round pick at right tackle. You got to had a first round pick at right guard and Ruiz. Uh, you now have your first round pick uh, back in at left guard, Andrews Pete. You've got a second round pick at center. Uh, those are high picks and you expect better protection and production from that unit, uh, whether it's you know, unity related or if simply a, a, a fact of guys getting beat one-on-one, well, you guys are getting compensated pretty well to not be beat one-on-one as often as they have been because their car's taking a beating. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11 sacks he's taken. Uh, Jameis Winston took another sack yesterday. So the Saints offensive line, Saints offense, is giving up four sacks per game in the first three. That is way too much for any quarterback. And the amount of pounding that you take over the long haul and Derek Carr took his injury yesterday but if he's getting beat up that way throughout the season eventually it was going to happen probably because that's just a lot of pounding and a lot of beating to take at the quarterback position and guys aren't built to take that kind of beating Mm -hmm. anymore uh, when you don't have as much contact in training camp you don't condition guys as much to tackling or being tackled uh, but you know they got to figure out something on the offensive line and I'm not exactly sure what it is uh, maybe it's going to have to be a max protect situation maybe it's going to have to be the tackle eligible comes in and they you know pass block that way but the more people you keep in to protect the fewer people you can send out f- for mm-hmm. for receiving so you know there's a there's a you know a yin and a yang there that has to be figured out mainly or mostly guys have to stop getting beat one-on-one that's the situation that has to cease and we've seen it across the line Mm -hmm. it began with trevor penning unfortunately now we see it some with ryan ramchek we've seen it on the interior and guys have to win their matchups it's that simple you begin there and then you can kind of get into what you want to do offensively you know you're not asking them to protect for five six seven seconds but you got to be able to protect for those three seconds that a quarterback needs to be able to get the ball off. And every now and then, you know, if a quarterback holds the ball a little bit longer than that, yeah, that sack's going to be on him because you're holding on to the ball. you mm-hmm. got to either find a guy you know, through your progression or throw it away, one or the other. But the rate at the Saints getting beat on the offensive line is alarming. And, and you know, I'm sure it's something that was noticeable, obviously, to the coaching staff through the first couple of games. They didn't – you know, kind of raise the alarm so much to the first two because, you know, when you win, everything smells a little sweeter. But when you don't win, it becomes a lot more glaring, a lot more glaring. And even yesterday, if Blake Groupie makes that kick mm-hmm. to win the game, it's still so glaring after three weeks that now it just can't go away. There's, there is a distinct pattern here of guys getting beat and the quarterback's getting beat up. And it's got to stop. Yeah, there's some sort of saying, like, if something happens three times, then it's definitely a problem. Like, once is on you, me, whatever. But we'll see what they're able to do this upcoming week. And then, of course, with the Bucks in town on Sunday, definitely need some more time for whoever is in at quarterback for to pl- plays to develop and then to help establish a run game, which brings us to probably the best news of the day, the fact that running back Alvin Kamara is back in the building. Yeah, check out his social media, folks. He put it out and, you know, he's he's back. And, and But don't don't do what I did because I retweeted it before I listened to the audio. Um, yeah. Don't do that. Well, yeah, you got to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep it on. Yeah, keep it on mute. Just look at it and enjoy it that way. But, I mean, having him back in the building, takes some pressure away because, you know, when Alvin Kamara comes back, obviously, defensively, all the eyes are on 41. So 
if I'm a defensive coordinator, the first thing I'm thinking is he can't beat me. I can't let him come in and command the game. So you scheme and you structure your, yourself defensively to, sh- to slow down Alvin Kamara. And we've seen that the last couple of seasons. Well, now you've got a healthy Mike Thomas, though. And you got Rashid Shahid who is busting out. You've got Chris Olave who looks – I don't know if I want to say the best receiver in the NFL, but, man, yeah. the, sh- the list is short right now if you start listing people who are better than Chris Olave. So now you've got a receiving core that you really feel good about. You add Alvin to that mix, and so some of the attention that he draws, hopefully, will detract or take away from some of the, the attention that they get, and those guys can get even more open. And But, you again, you've got to be able to make those decisions quickly you got to get them the ball, Alvin, in space. you got to get the receivers the ball quickly. You cannot hold on to the ball in situations. I understand the Saints have been in a ton of third and sevens and third and eights, it seems like, all this season so far. But you got to get the ball out of your hands. And even if you don't get the first down, just live to fight another down. Punt, you know, don't take the sack, don't take the negative play, don't throw it up for grabs, and live to fight another play. I feel like they're in those – long third downs because they're really trying to run on the first two downs and they're just not having any success there. They're only getting about two yards yeah, a carry. And, and, but but see, this is where Alvin can help. If, you, if you're going to use him in the short passing game, because this is where Alvin's been fantastic early in his career and really up until last year where he wasn't utilized so much in the passing game, you can get him basically long handoffs, either swing passes mm-hmm. or screen passes or the option routes with him coming out of the backfield, you know, where he's got that choice and he's got a linebacker. Those are like extended handoffs. You take those and you get, you know, six, seven yards out of them and it's second and four, second right. and three. It's totally different than, you know, getting tackled for loss and a second and 11 or getting in the position where, you know, now there's a holding penalty or something and it's first and 15. Now you stay out of those yardage situations where you're not blocking for the run very well and you don't have to protect as long for the pass because you only need something short. They've got to get themselves in favorable positions Mm -hmm. in terms of down and distance. And if you can't do that in the NFL, it's going to be a long day for your quarterback and your offensive line because if people know you got to throw the ball, they're going to be able to get to your quarterback eventually. Yeah. I did like the check downs to Tony Jones Jr. that Derek Carr is hitting him pretty consistently in the first half of play, which is something that obviously Alvin Kamara can be there and do as well and I think has more of an ability to extend the play after some of those catches. I think that's all of the news from today, so I think we're going to have to go back and talk about this game that happened yesterday, unfortunately, because it didn't end up in a victory. Yeah, I was about to say, do we have to? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, looking back on all of it, there were so many things that happened, but is it as simple as saying that everything just changed when Derek Carr went out of the game? Well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that because Derek Carr doesn't play defense and Derek Carr doesn't play special teams. And and Dennis Allen himself said it. You got a 17-point lead in the NFL, 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. You you got to win that game. Yeah, yeah. You got to win that game, and especially with a defense that wants to be great and believes it's great and says we want the, the game on our shoulders mm-hmm. every week. Well, that defense has to step up in that situation. It's got to win. It's got to get off the field. And I don't care if it's not committing, you know, not forcing turnovers, but – at worst in those situations, that defense has to force field goals. It can't give up touchdowns. It can't give up explosive plays. And the Saints did those things on defense yesterday. So I'm uh, the defense yesterday, I mean, just seeing them in the locker room, those guys were were 
I don't want to say horrified by their performance, but they were they were seriously down because they felt like they they had the game and they let the game go on their shoulders. Offense, yeah. When Derek Carr goes out, I mean that's that's going to be like popping a balloon. I mean it's it's going to be you know mm-hmm. or maybe a slow deflation because you got the sense that you know man it's going to be hard for the Saints to move the ball now because. You just don't know how much practice time Jameis Winston has as the number two because the one takes all the reps. Right. So how much cohesion and chemistry does he have with this offense and your offensive line didn't block him very well and your running game's now dissipated some. So, you know, you just didn't know where that was going to go, but you had to hang it on the defense. And even with all that, all that bad, defense kind of, you know, you know, stinking up for a quarter and the offense, you know, not not functioning well. The offense still got in position to kick that game-winning there field was a goal. chance. And so your Blake Groupie, I understand. He's a rookie. He's undrafted, blah, 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 blah. He looks like he's 12. He's got to make that kick. Yeah. That's a 46-yarder, and that's that's not unreasonable. A 56-yarder, then you say, ah, you know, hey, yeah, the percentages are low, and but an NFL kicker has got to make that 46-yarder to put you in position to win that game. And he didn't. And he said everything was perfect on there. He just missed the kick. And so that's something that if you make that kick, even though you don't play well, everything smells a little bit better today. Mm-hmm. But when you miss that kick, now everything just absolutely stinks all day. No, it like literally did smell outside today. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> Was there any wind in Green Bay? You were there. No, I mean, at the top of the stadium, of course, but down in the bowl, there wasn't enough wind to have affected the yeah. kick. I mean, there, there wasn't. And again, you know, distance was fine. He, it just faded to the righty. You know, I, I don't know if he thought he was going to draw it back in or what, but it just, it just didn't happen. And, and in that situation, again, rookie court kicker, ten year kicker, five year kicker, whoever, you've got to make that one. That's why you're on the roster. You know, they have high regard for him. And look, Blake Groupie might, you know, the first two games basically his points. Won the games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had, he was responsible for, I think, 10 of the points in, in the season opener. He was responsible for, you know, what, seven of them against Carolina mm-hmm. in a one point game. So, you know, and but, he had three earlier. I mean, he did yeah. have field goal and, earlier. And so game. here's the thing I mean, the kicker, you know, it's kind of one of those feast or famine situations. When you're feasting, everybody loves you and they want to carry you around the room. And when it's a famine and you miss a kick, everybody's pointing at you. Now, he got he got left let off the hook a little bit yesterday because you know you see a lot of people blaming the offensive line and those kinds of things. And again, you know you but you're still in position offensively to move down the field enough. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much to where the team didn't feel comfortable with him taking the kick. It wasn't so much that he didn't feel comfortable with the kick and he just missed the kick. So he'll have more more opportunities because the NFL there are so many one possession games. Yeah. That you just—I uh, mean, unless you—unless you're Broncos, yeah, I was about to say, unless you're Denver, <laughs> unless you're Denver or you're Chicago, there are so many one-possession games that he's going to have more opportunities. So hopefully, he learns something for it, uh, from it. Hopefully, his skin is a little bit thicker because he's going to have more opportunities, and he needs to cash in on them. Yeah, you mentioned the points, Groupie, and and accounting for so many of them in the first couple games, but the offense itself only had one touchdown. In yesterday's game, thankfully, Rashid Shahid had a, a great punt return. Where is that explosive offense that we've been looking for? Jawan Johnson talked about it post game um, in the locker room, and he said he was frustrated. He said they're all frustrated. Obviously, we got a quick start on them, seventeen zero, and then 
um, we didn't score after that. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, and that happened in the first half. Um, we got to do a better job in the second half, just scoring points. Um, you know, we have one of the we have one of the most explosive offenses on the, in, in the league, and you know, we can keep saying that, but we just have to we just have to do it and put it together. Cause I know we have it. I've seen it during camp. I've seen it during OTA. You know, I see it. So, um, you know, it's just not putting it together. It's kind of frustrating, but um, it'll happen. Uh, it's just a matter of time to win. The problem is it, it all boils da- boils down to a positional thing. If you can't block yeah. and you can't protect, then it's going to be tough sledding. And I don't care who it is you're playing. You know, Tampa Bay's coming up, and everybody looks at that film and says, you know, I see a weak spot here and I see a weak spot there, and we can get to their quarterback. And so you can have the best game plan in the world, but a couple of those, you know, Dennis Allen said basically Green Bay won so fast mm-hmm. that Derek Carr couldn't get the ball out of his hands for three for three plays, mm-hmm. three sacks. Mm-hmm. And if in those situations, you know, what what does it matter what you drew up if you can't protect long enough for the quarterback to be able to get to those shot plays? Mm-hmm. Because as Derek, you know, Derek Carr said last week, you know, look, you're only gonna get maybe one, two shot plays a game. Yeah. You know, so if you're trying to get into one of those and it requires protection, and unfortunately, if it's third and eight well now they know no, you right, gotta throw right. it so you know that that's what has to be fixed you you gotta fix that the line the protection it has to be fixed and i don't know if that again if that means max protect and taking a guy out of the route which maybe the saints have to do and and, and even if you only got the three guys out you know rashid shaheed chris olave and michael thomas I feel kind of good about somebody's chances of getting open. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you might have to resort to that, you know, or, you know, you, you always can chip with the back and let the back slip out after he, after he gives a little half block. So, you know, there are some things that have to be done schematically to help out the offensive line because they're struggling so much right now. And you got to get their confidence back up because they're losing too many one-on-ones for the quarterback to be able to be effective. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it seemed like momentum started to shift towards Green Bay in the second half. They started extending their drives. They started making some big plays. And then defensively, we had a few penalties, made some mistakes, missed tackles, blown coverages, a couple penalties. How hard is it to regain momentum when everything seems to just be slipping out of your, you know, your grasp? Well, when you're on the road, it it, it kind of go, you know, it's kind of you know going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, so to speak. We got really loud. Because it seemed like it was loud in there. It was extremely loud, and I mean, but you know, the the crowd starts sensing, okay, there's some weakness there, and, and the the team might be able to come back. And now the the team starts playing that way. Jordan Love in the fourth quarter was was phenomenal yeah whereas in the first three quarters he was he missed a couple of big throws and then the saints really harassed him pretty well i mean only sacked him once but they moved him around Mm -hmm. they got to him a little bit got around his feet made him you know made him harass you know throw some and even when he did throw the coverage was excellent i mean guys were getting you know pass breakups and then you get down to stretch and guys all of a sudden you know you get you get the juices flowing and he's scrambling around, and now you can't get to him with the pass rush. His receivers start not only winning one-on-ones, but also making contested catches because, you know, some of those catches they made were tough contested catches, and now everybody feels a little bit better about themselves, and the chest starts sticking out a little bit, and, you know, now it's tough to stop it rolling the other way because you can't get anything going on offense because when a team scores 
and that and that momentum starts coming, you got to be able to answer on the other side. If you can't answer with points, now all of a sudden it's like, uh oh, here it goes. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of feeling, you know, when when they pulled when they got it to seventeen eleven with that two point conversion. The two point conversion was huge yeah. because when they got that, it was almost like the roof kind of blew off the place. Which you know, there's no roof on Lambeau, but you know, all of a sudden. Everybody in green and yellow or whatever color that is felt like the Packers could win. Yeah. And now they've got the kind of life that you don't want them to have. And on defense, it's like, you know, offense can't can't get anything going. Defense has got to go right back out on the field. And it's just too much. You need, you know, if you can get two or three first downs, if you can't even get a field goal out of it, if you just keep the defense on the sideline for a minute to kind of reorganize and get themselves back together in it mentally, then that's one thing. But when you're right back out on the field and the other guys have confidence, all of a sudden, doesn't matter if he doesn't have Aaron Jones at running back, doesn't matter if he didn't have Christian Watkins mm-hmm. at receiver. Now all of a sudden, all those guys felt like they were Aaron Jones or Christian Watkins and felt like they could make a play. Yeah, and they did. It was it was tough because the Saints couldn't extend any drives of their own. So yes, defense was, I think, on the field majority of the fourth quarter. We had a couple new players on the defensive side with the absence of cornerback Paulson Adebo and safety Marcus May. We know Marcus May is going to be out for three games. Paulson Adebo, we're not sure. How did you feel about their replacements? I felt pretty good about Jordan Howden. I thought I thought he was I thought he was fine. Um, you know, he he was, you know, on one situation where you know there was a catch made in front of him, but I thought he I thought he played fine. I thought he was where he was supposed to mm-hmm. be. Um, and I also thought. Thought that Isaac Yadam at at cornerback held up pretty well. I mean, now down the stretch he got he got the DPI, and then you know you you get the game winning touchdown caught on him, but he was he was there. He yeah. just couldn't get the ball on the ground, unfortunately. But I thought he held up pretty well for the majority of the game, and the defense was phenomenal for three quarters. Mm-hmm. It's just that you know, but you can't take away that last quarter, and you can't take away the plays that were made and who they were made against. But I think if Yadam has to play again, I think the Saints feel pretty good with him. And overall, I mean, here it is. Now, we're lamenting. Saints give up 18 points. And they, they're they averaging giving up right around 17 this season. So, and they're 2-1. and one. So even when they're not playing well, they're 2-1 and one without Alan Kamara. They're only giving up 17 points a game. And so you feel pretty good about it. But you don't feel good. I mean, cause, right? It's weird because it all happened at once. Yeah. If it had yeah. happened over the course of a game, you're like, man, they only allowed 17, 18 points. Yeah. That's yeah. a great performance. Yeah. I mean, so the, the reality of it is, this is what it is. But you take away that one section, and it's like, this does not look good. And there's got to be a lot of stuff done to fix this. Yeah. And I don't know if it, there's a lot of stuff to be done to fix, especially defensively. Because, again, if you're giving up 18 a game, even though it's 18 in one quarter, I understand, folks. But that's tough. But the defense played really well for the first 11 quarters of the season mm-hmm. and had a one-quarter letdown. So you feel pretty good about that unit. But the offense is the unit that's got to get it together because four touchdowns in three games and a whole pack of field goals isn't going to get it done over the long haul. You can you can get away with that some and the defense is playing so well, but it's the NFL. It's hard to hold people to seventeen points a game. Yeah. Especially with the talent that they have on the field yeah, it, offensively. It's, yeah, it's it's hard to hold people to seventeen points a game and there's enough there offensively 
to be to where you feel like. But again, we're looking at the skill position guys and not the interior because that's where the issue is. Yeah. That's where the biggest issue is. And I don't know if there are going to be changes there, but there's going to have either there's going to be changes in personnel or there's going to be changes in scheme, one or the other, because it can't stay the same. Yeah, that's one big thing that obviously needs to change over the course of the week. What else do you think they have to address before we see the Bucks Sunday? Well, I mean, I, I just think that's the biggest. And 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 the the pass rush was okay. Yeah, it didn't seem like it, it stood out yeah, as much yeah, as usual. And, and I think most of that is because Jordan Love was able to, you know, kind of step out of a couple of situations. He was a lot more mobile than I think maybe the Saints thought he would be because, you know, he had a couple of runs and, you know, he was able to extend some plays. And Baker Mayfield can extend plays and run a little bit too for Tampa Bay. So, you know, that's another situation you have to be careful for. But the pass rush has got to be a little bit better and not and not with blitzes. You got to be able to get home with the front four so the linebackers can kind of help out some in coverage also. And when you're having to send guys extra guys, you might be able to comp- you might be compromising your defense a little bit because if you don't get there fast, somebody's gonna be open. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna be in some one on one situation. So I thought the pass rush was something that was was a little bit absent yesterday, even though, you know, and the one sack they get is Solante Taylor off off, off the corner of right, blitz, right. You know, off the slot, out of the slot. So, you know, you can scheme up some things, but your front four has to be able to win like the opposing front four has been winning. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're looking for from the Saints because, you know, and Brian Brzee played, I thought, another pretty solid game. I thought Carl Granderson played a pretty solid game. Uh, but they've got to get more from everybody else. And, I mean, and I'm sure, you know, Cam Jordan holds himself to a standard. Yeah. And, he, and it, you know, you saw some some situations where he was getting close, but Cam and, and the rest of those guys, they got to be able to get quarterbacks on the ground. Yeah. I, I think it was a quiet game from the line, and I'm sure they'll be looking for more production, especially against a divisional opponent. You want to get that game being back at home against the Bucks because the Falcons lost – yeah, Panthers. Panthers, Panthers lost. Panthers lost to Seattle. Falcons lost. Um, Tampa plays tonight, I believe. That's right. That's the other team that plays so, tonight. So they have a short week too. Yeah, short week. So you know, so that hopefully will play into the Saints' hands. But if Tampa loses tonight, then the division leaders are all two and one, and so you don't really lose any ground. You know, you just hope to gain ground, obviously. Yeah. But the first step in the whole process is winning your division. They're already one and zero the division because they beat Carolina. Uh, they'll get Tampa Bay coming up this Sunday. So even if Tampa does win tonight on Monday Night Football, the Saints get a chance to knock them back, to pull them back to the pack yeah. if they can beat them on Sunday. So, you know, everything that you want is still right in your hands. It's still early in the season. But, again, I, I can't stress enough <laughs> how much better this line has to play. Because I mean, Derek Carr was getting the heck beat out of him for two and a half games. Yeah. And it's gotta be it's gotta be better than that. They figured out something at halftime in, in game one and mm-hmm. game two. And the protection was much better and Derek Carr was much more effective. But it can't be that way. You you can't take a half and let the dude get beat up right. and then figure it out. Because of the accumulation of hits is gonna take a toll on anybody. And especially if Jameis Winston has to play this week in Derek Carr's place, you got to be able to protect that guy because we know or we've seen that Jameis holds on to it a little bit longer. He's looking for he likes the likes the big plays, and so you got to be in position to where you got to hold those blocks and you got to keep people out 
a little bit longer. You know, it's KYP, know your personnel, mm-hmm. and that's your personnel at quarterback, so you know what you need to do to protect him. Who's fighting to be QB3? Is it Taysom Hill versus oh, yeah, Alvin Kamara? Yeah, it's Taysom. Because, you know, Kamara comes in there. He well, always yeah, is begging. Nah. Alvin, yeah, Alvin says that, but Alvin hadn't thrown a – well, when he – was going to throw a pass. I think I, I can't remember if Allen's thrown a pass in an NFL game or not. I think he was on schedule to throw one in a game. I think they called it, and I think he might have had to eat it and run it or something like that. I can't remember exactly if he's thrown one, but no, nah, Taysom. Taysom. <laughs> Alvin, Alvin's probably, Alvin probably would be the emergency quarterback, though. He probably would be QB3. I, I believe he would be QB3 in this situation because I don't know who else – could do it. Right, because if Carr's unavailable, then, yeah, everybody slides up. Taysom yeah. would be two. Yeah, yeah. And, and you need to have a third quarterback active in case the first two get hurt, a, a third person who can play quarterback. And I, I guess it would I guess it would be Alvin. I mean, Alvin always – he's always begging for it. I think he, he just I, I think he just wants to run the Wildcat. So, I, you know, he, he'd be the guy, I think. That would be <laughs> – no, I, I don't want to see it. I was going to say, we don't want to see Alvin at quarterback now. We do not want to see that. Because that would not be a good thing if Alvin is is playing quarterback for like 17 straight plays. That would not be a good thing. No. Maybe we can get him in there on a wildcat at, at one point. Yeah, but yeah that'd, be, we'll that'd need... be a thing. Some kind of you know, halfback option where he throws it, that's fine too. But we do not want to see Alvin Kamara lined up at quarterback <laughs> often. No, we just want to see him back in the backfield, which we will see this Sunday. John, thank you so much for taking the time. We will follow along all week. First practice is going to be Wednesday, so we will at least see who's out there. And then we'll get to talk to whoever the starting quarterback is going to be and and hear more from DA throughout the week. So a lot to follow along with. And you can do it at Saints on Twitter or at NewOrleansSaints.com. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.